Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Oh, man, full morning, another great week at Thrive. Yeah, come on. Um, so, yeah, what a, what, God's amazing, isn't he? He's just so good. What he does in our midst and what God's people do, it's just awesome. Uh, it's so good. We, uh, my wife and I, we, we weren't able to, our family wasn't nearly as involved except for calling this week in RFK because... Uh, we had to go to General Council slash National Youth Convention and Fine Arts. And Andrew Pangrass did an amazing job. Jason and Andrew drove out. Got, uh, got just under the highest score, scoring section, right? Uh, and Nathan did as well. Nathan worked super hard and did as well. We're really proud of them. If you want to know more about fine arts, talk to Lauren. She's the person. Uh, I could tell you, but I'm boring, and she's not. So talk to Lauren. Uh, she could tell you all about it. She grew up going to fine arts. Uh, she is a pro. Um, and so it's, it's super cool. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, also wanted to welcome, welcome this week. Uh, we have Riker and Hannah visiting us. Riker, our former worship leader. Yeah. But also officially welcoming back, uh, didn't know they were going to be here last week, but they were, welcoming back, moved back, a planting family of Thrive, along with Riker and Hannah were, but they haven't gotten the revelation to come back yet. But um, this family has because God speaks to them and they listen. And so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we're so thrilled to have Phil, Nicole, Kobe, and Cozy Buck back. Come on. Um, we're just absolutely thrilled and so excited for what God's going to use them for here and your gifts and your abilities. They are wanted and needed here. We're so excited. Love you guys. Um, right your hand. We love you, but, you know, you are, I mean, if you want to commute, Howie said he'd pay for it weekly. So um, I don't, I think, I don't want to misquote, but I think I'm pretty sure that's, those are the exact words. All right, so we're continuing in Ephesians uh, this week, um, I want to start with a story. So years ago, late 90s, there was this battle. There was this, what they called the chicken wars. And what happened is, what happened is Chick-fil-A was still kind of growing and growing. They've been around a while, but they're only really in the South. And they weren't anywhere else. And what happened is, Another company had come in, and some of you might know who I'm talking about. I'll tell you in a minute if you don't. And this other company was growing and expanding, and they were popping up everywhere. So much so, Chick-fil-A started to panic. They are like, what are we going to do? They're going to overtake us. They're going to run us out of business. We're, 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 we're going to be done. You know, they were the corner of the chicken market with fast food, Right? Matter of fact, I mean, there's a side story I could tell about Jamaica, but needless to say, so, long story short, I was in Jamaica, and I was looking around, they had Popeyes, and they had KFC, and they had Wendy's, and Burger King, and Taco Bell. What's missing? 
There's no McDonald's. I asked the bus driver. This is a true story. I said to the bus driver, McDonald's, where's no McDonald's? He goes, oh, yeah, man, we have McDonald's. It's gone. What happened? Not enough chicken. <laughs> His words. <laughs> so anyway, there, there's this chicken war in the late 90s, early 2000s, and they are, this other company is overtaking Chick-fil-A. And they're in a board meeting. And they are fighting, and they are yelling, and they're talking about, we got to get bigger. we got to get bigger. we got to expand. we got to get bigger. And Dan Cathy, at that time, the president of Chick-fil-A, is sitting there silent at the end of the boardroom table. And he's just listening to everybody, and they're fighting, and they're talking about how they need to expand and what they need to be doing. We've got to get bigger. And at some point, Dan Cathy, who's a very mild-mannered, calm man, just has enough and starts just slamming his hand on the table. And everybody just stops and becomes silent. And he said, I am absolutely sick of hearing about how we need to get bigger and start talking about how we need to be better. The other company that was coming after them was a company, many of you might remember, called Boston Market. Here's a series of pictures of current Boston markets around the country. <laughs> nice places. You can find one of these over in Joliet. It looks quite similar to these. Um, yeah, keep going. Yeah, just, and what happened is Boston market kept going, kept expanding, but they expanded ahead of what they were bringing in. And not only that, they committed fraud because they took everything in as profit and they didn't market against their costs. So they went bankrupt, and they got sued. And Chick-fil-A, who expanded at the rate they were ready to, and stayed closed on Sundays, is still now the dominant chicken chain in the country, and took it over. And now is expanded into most, even in the most liberal places that said, we don't want them. We, live, we lived for many years in Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin is called the Berkeley of the Midwest, extremely liberal, doesn't want Christian chicken, okay? And so, and what happened is, it, here's what happened, long story short, they tried to fight him, they protested him, they opened, and there's a line down the block every single day. Why? Because even liberals love Christian chicken. That's what the truth, that's the, no, because, because, no, the truth, the truth of the story is, Dan Cathy understood something to keep the main thing the main thing. Because being the best, being excellent was better than being big. I'm encouraged by that. And that's a series we're going to be going into in the fall. We're going to be celebrating seven years. Kimmy has constantly called us the little church that could. And, and there's some days I'm like, I don't know how little we are anymore, but... It's not a big deal if a Goliath beats a Goliath. But it is when David does. Because it doesn't show how good David is. It shows how good God is. It shows how big God is. And that's what we're seeing. And that's, that's what Dan Cathy began to understand. And they were a large company, obviously. But he understood, keep what's important, important. Excellence and doing things right. We're going to do great ministry before we try and have our ministry be great. That's the point. 
Let God grow us how he sees fit. Let God move in us. And Paul is explaining this in Ephesians 2. And we're just going to break down the chapter just a little bit, just a couple of sections. And we're basically going to summarize the chapter uh, as Paul does. But he basically says, you need to understand the main thing. It's just Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. There's nothing else besides him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. God saved us, saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can go do the good things he planned for us long ago. Basically, it's not us. It's Jesus alone. It is Jesus. He stands alone. And he needs no help from me. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, our lives, it is all about Jesus. And we muck it up. We make it about Jesus plus. Jesus plus something else. But Jesus plus anything equals nothing. We can't add to Jesus. He's done enough. He's finished the work. You know, one thing in our stream, the Assemblies of God that we're a part of, our, our family, that I love them. I'm thrilled. We just got back from General Council. It was super good. A lot of good things. But there, there can be politics and posturing. It's a giant organization. I mean, we were in Columbus, Ohio, and a fraction of the people just, just from the United States come to see it. You, ben, Jason, you were there. I mean, tens of thousands of people, right? Something like 13,000 young people. I think 20 plus thousand overall. Massive amount of people. And it is probably less than a quarter of how many people are in it. And what's going to happen with that? You've got to have governance. You've got to have systems. We've got to have all these things, right? You've got to have a level of order and things like that. But the truth is, what, what comes with that is our humanity, and we can start messing it up. We're all guilty of it. It's going to happen to all of us. And when we do, we have to get back to center. And we're like, this is about Jesus. It's about him. It's about what he did what he's done and what he's doing, right? How many times have we seen it get off, even in church life? It gets off of Jesus, right? Just shout them out. What are some of the things we get off in in church life and not about Jesus? Politics, right? We make it like, I didn't get voted on the board. Who cares? Who cares? They'll tell you. It's not always that great. There's a lot of days you're like, believe me, you would be glad you're not there. What else? Decor, right? I'm obsessed with this floor. No, I'm kidding. It's not our, well, we can, right? It's got to look this way, and it's got to be that. There are whole churches that have split over the color of the chairs and the carpet. Split, like the church broke in half. Over blue or red, which is happening now, but in a very different way, right? What else? Buildings, right? People leave churches 
over not having a building. Not you, obviously, but yeah, come on. <laughs> but a lot of people do. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not about Jesus. It's about something else. Anybody else? Money. Theology. Worship. Man, the worship wars. They're for real. Some people are like, that's the best part of starting a church from scratch. We're like, this is who we're going to be. Nobody in the room can be like, but that's not the way we've always done it. <laughs> we've never done anything before. So, <laughs> Money. That's not where the money should go. How many of us do we just forget? Like, but it's, this is about Jesus. And we're getting caught up in so many other things. We're getting off the main thing. And he goes on to talk about that, and it's not a works thing either. It's not, it's just Jesus did the whole work. As a matter of fact, it's what differentiates Christianity from every other world religion, every other system, right? Islam. Here's an example. Islam. You get to paradise through practicing the five pillars of Islam. Okay, and that's how you maybe will get to Allah. If you declare faith, if you pray five times a day, if you give, if you fast through Ramadan and other times of the year, if you pilgrimage to Mecca, and if you do that enough and you're just 51% good, Allah might let you into his kingdom. The problem is nobody can be assured of their salvation. Even though they honor and reveal the prophet Muhammad, you know the problem is they don't even know in their theology if Muhammad is in heaven because they don't know if he was good enough. In Buddhism, you have to practice peace and to get, attain the ultimate peace and basically become energy to graduate into what's called nirvana, not the band. That would be a terrible hell. But, okay, but that's the idea. Matter of fact, there's this famous story of a Buddhist monk where a war was being fought around him and he sat there in tranquility. And Buddhist monks are like, Is, wasn't he so at peace? And I was like, I think, I think he might be stoned because like, people are shooting each other. Do something. Hinduism, the ultimate, the ultimate ascension, Buddhism is a break off of Hinduism, if you're not aware. In Hinduism, the ultimate goal is to ascend yourself to Brahman, the highest place. And if you're born in the right caste system, you live the right life long enough, you can work your way up the caste system, being reincarnated from one life to the next, till eventually you'll ascend yourself up there. In Mormonism, if you're a good Mormon, live a great life perfect life, you never get divorced, you have as many children as you can, you will ascend to the third heaven, or in there what they call the celestial heaven, and then eventually become your own God, if you're good enough. In Scientology, you work your way up the, br up the bridge, over and over, having sessions to get clearer and clearer. But Jesus it's the only one where it's not a religion, but a relationship where God stoops down to us and says, you can't get to me, but I can come to you. We were talking this morning, me and Katie and Paul, and I said, you know, if a murderer murders somebody and lives the rest of their life as a good person, does that, does that ever make them not a murderer? 
No. You will always have the blood on your hands. No sinner can get to God by being good. It is Jesus and that is it. And if you tell me every other world religion's the same, I would say you know nothing about religion. Do some study. It's not Christianity verses, it's Jesus verses. It's only Him. He's the only way we get to eternity. He's the only way we get to forgiveness, to freedom, to peace, to joy, to life. See, Paul understood that today. That's why he got baptized. If you are here today and you're like, I haven't been baptized, I want to be, we'll do it right now. We'll do it today. If you're like, not today, then let's do it next week or the week after. You tell us when, we'll do it. We love Duncan. And unfortunately, there's even streams of Catholicism. Not all. I've known some great Jesus-loving Catholics who have a deep walk with him. And if you're like, I don't understand that, Pastor Brian, come see me later. We'll talk about it. But there are some streams of Catholicism that they think it's good works plus Jesus. But Jesus plus anything equals, could we really add to what God does No, it's just Jesus. He did it. And that's actually awesome news. It becomes all about him and not about me. Let's repeat it after me. It's not about me. me. Right. (laughs) Thank you for all not unifyingly saying it's not about you. All right. (laughs) Jesus confronts the very idea of Jesus, the person of Jesus, confronts the self, confronts me. And says, I need a savior. You know, we say things like we invite God into our lives. But the truth is, really, we get invited into God's life. We get it upside down and backwards sometimes. It's how we become self-righteous. Like, look how holy I am. And the thing is, you don't have to be a Christian to be self-righteous. We're good at it, okay, but you don't have to be, right? How many people do we know who virtue signal now in culture? Little Facebook picture. I got my COVID vaccine. (laughs) You know, till the next thing, and like, I got to put the new filter on my picture, and the new one, and the new one, right? Self-righteousness can happen in both camps. We can be self-righteous. I'm at church every Sunday. Yeah, but you're a jerk. <laughs> you know, like, like so I'm not talking to anybody. That's why I closed my eyes when I said that, because I'm not thinking to anybody. If anything, I think of me, right? But the cool thing is, the less selfish we become, the more about Jesus we make it. The more we make the main thing the main thing, the less selfish we become. And the more, verse 10 says, we do good works. We become God's masterpiece. We become amazing. Right, What you just saw up here with RFK, God's people doing God's work is the most beautiful thing on earth to behold. It's the best thing on the planet, watching God's people do God's work. It's God's masterpiece. It's the best thing going on the planet. Famous people are often pretty ugly. But God's people, man, they are just beautiful. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's just amazing. 
got back from a conference and they, 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 end, the, they end the week, they do a youth uh, service every night because it's the youth conference at the same time. But they end the week, the last night is they give away like the prizes for fine arts and some of them get to do their performances. And man, it, it's astonishing. But more than that, the beauty of God's people being God's people, it's just takes your breath away. It's the best thing going on earth. When God's people look like him and act like him and, and work like him, it, it's just the best thing ever. You need to know, Kimmy, this is never going to stop for as long as I'm here. Even, even if, it, will there be disagreement? Yeah, yeah, but we're not that church. We'll have disagreements, but this ain't going anywhere. It's not. I'm not that guy. We don't cut things out from people. Because when God's people are doing God's work, I, I just don't want to stop it. Matter of fact, there's even philosophies of local church. Keep it simple. You should have three ministries and that's it. I'm like, oh, that, that's stupid. <laughs> like, your church may be large, but I don't know how effective it is. I'd rather have more ministry and the people of God being poured out because it, it, I, I don't know how big we are, but I, I think we're effective. I think we're touching people. I think God's moving. We start looking more and more like him. And as we do, we grow. And it gets bigger. Why? Because Paul ends the whole chapter with alluding to when we make Jesus the main thing, we start what we're doing is we're building on the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. What is that? Some of you don't know what that means. Okay? In the New Testament, in the times of Jesus, when, when he taught this, they would know what he would mean. See, they didn't have Ozinga back in Jesus' time. <laughs> All right? I know they've been around a while and they're everywhere, but they weren't then. Okay? And they didn't, they didn't pour concrete. What they had to do when they built a home, if they wanted to make sure that it, it stood, is you had to find a large stone, and you would anchor yourself into that stone, and it would be the corner of the house often. It would be the cornerstone, and the house would be anchored to that stone in order so that it would hold it like a foundation holds our house today. That's how it would hold. Nathan, where are you at? Come here. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to, like, right in here, right next to the stone, I need you to just build me the biggest, tallest tower you can. All right? Do me right here. Okay. Jesus was trying to teach them a concept, and Paul is now reiterating the concept. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 7. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus saying this, and follows it's like a wise person who builds his house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it's foolish like a person who builds his house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and beat against the house, it'll collapse. See, when we make anything else, when we start building our house on Jesus even then, even then we can start building off of that cornerstone. We can start moving away. We can start getting in on things that aren't the main things. 
right? There are people who make it all about, you know, we're going to bring gift baskets to the community. It's just about, we're just, just gift baskets, Pastor Ryan. If we just gave gift baskets to everybody, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what it's all about, it's, not, it's, not, it's about Jesus. Well, we've got to be singing songs from Elevation. If we don't sing Elevation songs, I don't know if the Holy Spirit could show up. <laughs> and then it's like, well, can the band play it? Because sometimes when the band can't play it, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to show up, right? You know, <laughs> our band can play pretty much everything, but <laughs> we have a killer band. But, but it, that can happen, right? We can start building, but then getting off the foundation. Getting off the main thing. Some of you, you don't follow Jesus at all. You have no foundation. And when life hits you, you're a wreck. Thank you, Nate. And here's the problem. When we start doing anything, when we have a life that doesn't have Jesus, when we start building off the foundation as a church, and something comes along, we just can't stand. It just won't make it. No matter how nice, no matter how good, it's just not going to be there. Because a life without the cornerstone, a life without it being all about Jesus, is no life at all. And it gets taken down pretty easily. Jesus doesn't need us, but he wants us. See, the stone exists without the house, but the house, the house can't exist without the cornerstone. And that's the best part of this. Jesus doesn't need us, but he wants us. We need him, but we don't always want him. As the worship team comes, I want to talk just, I want to close with the idea, like sometimes as we build on this cornerstone, we can start getting off. And if you think, I'm doing so good with Jesus, right? It's not me. I could never. I want you to look at a few ways I think the church gets off on the cornerstone. Starts building off the cornerstone. Those who are like, well, I don't need a church. Hebrews makes it very clear, don't forsake the gathering. If you are the church, how can you possibly live without the rest of the body? Does anybody have a heart living in a jar? If so... Call the police. <laughs> right? It doesn't actually work. It's messed up. Somebody, well, the Bible isn't fully reliable. That's a long conversation we can't have today. But I can basically verify. I've been through this study. I've been through these seasons. I've looked through the books. I've read them. You're wrong. The Bible is. Now, how we understand it sometimes is wrong. How we apply it sometimes is wrong, but the Bible's not wrong. We are. And side note, it's a pretty arrogant position to say God has to prove himself to me. The church gets fill in the blank wrong. Oh, the church is doing a bunch of pagan things. The church is way off on these things. The church is, and you know what? You're probably right church probably is wrong in some of those things. The church probably is broken. You know what? The Bible refers to the church as Jesus' bride. 
If you came to me one day and said, you know, Brian, I love you. I think the world of you. You're my favorite. I just want to hang out with you all the time. I think you're great. But you know, I can't stand your wife. She's just the worst. She's got so many things wrong. She just doesn't look right. She smells. She's all about the way she looks and blah, blah, blah. If you just went on, you and I, we will not be friends. And you may not leave that meeting unhurt. Because she is my bride. And you know what? I love my wife and she's better than me in pretty much every way. But the truth is, I, I know full well she's not a perfect human being. And I know, I pretty much know all her faults. And I love her with my whole heart. And I'm just a man. So imagine how God feels about his church. But we leave the cornerstone and say, oh, I don't need the church. You just insulted his bride. Don't do it. You're wrong. I can have this intoxication. I can have this pornography and Jesus. I can have my THC. I can have my bitterness. I can have my secret sin, etc., etc., and still follow Jesus. You, you, you think you're here, but you're building over here, man. You're lost. I can have my politics jammed into everything I think and believe. America's the new Jerusalem. No, it isn't, and you're wrong. You're building off the foundation. It's, it's Jesus. I've got church hurt. Great. But you're not following the church. You're following Jesus. Pastor Brian hurt me. I probably did. It'll happen again. Stick around. Just a man. I'm fully aware of how broken I am and how much in need of Jesus I am. You can ask my wife. I am very aware of my need for a saint. I don't think I've arrived at anything. Leader hurt. Leaders hurt me. Leaders are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you in the church. They're going to hurt you outside. But you know what? Nobody goes to counseling because their boss yelled at them. It's because we expect the church to act like Jesus. And you know what? They should. But they're not Jesus. Don't build on the church. Some of you went astray because you stopped building on Jesus. You built on the church. No, the church is built on Jesus. Go back to Him. Disagreements on anything that isn't the main thing. Finding a new truth, others have. And the list goes on. Here's the good news. If you stay on Jesus, you see the beauty even in the ugly. You see God's goodness in the worst things. You see how amazing God is when life is the worst. You see that God holds me together when I'm falling apart. It's all about Jesus. Make it nothing else. If you made the sole mission of your life to know Jesus so deeply and intimately and then make Him known, who cares what else happens? I'll make a confession this week. I get go to these general counsel. My wife was asking me what's bothering me, and I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to bring her down. One of the things that bugs me is I'm around these tens of thousands of pastors, and some of these, it's just these massive churches. 
buildings, etc. And the truth is, they're second, third, fourth generation, and, and they came from Israel, and they grew up in the assemblies, and they had money behind them. They, you know, they had ministry money, what I call it. And then they just they just had backing, and like, nobody knows who I am. Nobody, I don't have any of those things. And here's the thing, I believe it's John, I'll look it up. At this moment, when we do this, we do this comparison game in our lives. John 21, 22. Peter's asking Jesus. Jesus basically said, you know, someday, Peter, you're going to die. It's not going to be great. They're going to lead you where you don't want to go. It's going to be tough. And Peter says, well, what about John? See, he's been in this brother war with John for years. He's been comparing himself all the time to John. And I think John does it back. We can see it in John when John's like, I ran faster than Peter. But... Jesus looks at, when, when Peter says, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And John, and Jesus says to Peter, he says, if I want him to live till I return, what is it to you? Follow me. Who cares what they're doing? Follow me. Who cares how successful they are? Follow me. Who cares what their ministry is? Follow me. Who cares where they, where they went to? Follow me. Who cares what happened to their family? Follow me. Jesus. The goal, the goal isn't success. The goal isn't even a fruitful life. It's Jesus. The beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. Jesus. There's nothing else. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Take